I'm Julian. Hi. I'm Tom. We are Team Binge, and we are here for Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast. <laughs> Just crushing it. We should write this down. No, no, no. Great introduction by me. Thank you. <laughs> Tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this, we are talking about episode four of season one of Ted Lasso. This episode is called For the Children. For the Children. Mm. If you're a rich person, you have to say it super smarmy because Ugh. there's no other way to say it. Thank you for joining us both live uh, on video as well as in your ears. We obviously love the show and are continuing to go through <laughs> it. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but uh, this episode, For the Children, uh, written by Jamie Lee. This is her, I looked her up, this is her only lasso uh, writing credit. So she wrote this episode. They always give credit to Bill Lawrence, Jason Sudeikis, and Brandon Hunt uh, as writers and creators, but she apparently was the main writer on the team that worked on it. Anything we would have known her from? I looked her up. I didn't see anything. Um, is she the one that does like those Dan and yogurt commercials? The great lady from True Lies back in the day? Oh, Jamie, Jamie Lee. Lee Curtis? Not Jamie Lee Curtis. No, not Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Not the one with the, the gut yogurt. No. Okay. Interesting episode. Less about like soccer and, and being on the training pitch and everything. Which is why I hated it. <laughs> you didn't like this No, one. I liked it. This is a, mainly about a charity dinner that's being thrown. You know, the themes of this episode are high fashion. Mm. A lot of fashion <laughs> talk in this episode, which I enjoyed. Which I know is, you, which, you, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> this is why we're doing this podcast shirtless. Uh, with just jackets on. Sure, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, don't spill anything on your nipples. <laughs> so a lot of talk about fashion, the other theme, accountability. Mm. And then bigger introduction, I felt like, was kind of the main bad guy. I don't know. There's a lot of bad guys in this show. But Rupert Mannion comes in, who is Rebecca's ex-husband. Yeah, and I've mentioned before in earlier pods, kind of talking about Rebecca being kind of the villain, if you will. But clearly, the second Rupert enters frame, he is just villainry personified. Sure, sure. Yeah, he's even got a British accent. All villains have British He even accents. has that kind of like, that forehead. It's not, I don't know if it's a scar, but he has like a line on his forehead that kind of makes it Bond villainy-ish. Oh, I didn't notice that at all. Oh, I, I noticed. just noticed the accent and his general demeanor, which made him a bad person. <laughs> so we open with a locker room scene, which uh, I always love when Roy comes in hot. Roy <laughs> comes in hot. He's mad. They're apparently in the middle of a game. It's halftime. Halftime. Is that what they call it in soccer? Halftime? Yep. Call it halftime. Nothing crazy. It's 45 minutes and 45 minutes, right? Very good. And then stoppage time on the end. Very good. Is that what it's called? Uh, stoppage time, yeah. Stoppage or like time. injury time? Yeah, I think stoppage time would be the more preferred nomenclature. Okay. So Roy comes in. He's mad. They're down two to zero. He's like, we're better than this. And then we have this scene where Sam Obasanya, just the loving Sam, mm. like Samwise Gamgee of soccer, comes in and he apologizes <laughs> to Jamie Tart. I think it's interesting if you watch the show and you watch certain things that Sam done, he is constantly trying to, I guess, win the approval of Jamie or like try and gain some friendship there just because there's a part later on in the episode where they're all going up to dance. Spoilers. Sam, like, gets Jamie, and he's like, hey, you want to come up? And Jamie, like, waves him off. Mm. And it's interesting how often, like, Sam continues to try and be friends with Jamie. 
Well, I think he's that kind of fish out of water guy. And they've kind of done it in the first couple episodes with him being from Nigeria. They don't really explore some of the other players on the team, but he seems to be one of the only players that is not directly from England or London or whatever and has this kind of divide. And he definitely is seeking the approval of what he sees as kind of the start of the team. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree with that. So Sam apologizes to Jamie for not getting a cross right. What is a cross, Tom? The cross, you know, um, certainly Sam is uh, on the side of the pitch and he's crossing the ball in to Jamie to try to score a googly. Okay. I thought a cross was something people put on necklaces. So then I noticed she didn't laugh at that joke. Mm. I'll cut it in later. Um, (laughs) That's the joy of editing. Thank you. <laughs> Sam apologized to Jamie. Jamie acts like he's going to accept the apology or be forgiving of Sam. Cross and then he Jamie. just says some terrible things, essentially about Sam's mom and his, uh, he essentially calls Ooh, yeah. him talentless. Yeah. There's just some things that you don't want said about your he, mother. He references Maradona. Have you ever heard that name before? I've heard it from you okay. because I think you referred to a bicycle kick as a Maradona. Yeah, Maradona is a move. What exactly it is, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a little step over spinny move or sure. if it's a type of volley. Um, but famous Argentinian soccer player. Up I there hear, with Messi. I hear his name. Oh, you said Messi. I was going to say Pele. In terms of like all-time greats, there's kind of a hierarchy. Yep, Pele's and, up there. Okay. He's and, Brazilian. So def- like, definitely the most famous South American player. Sure. Same continent, all of those countries. Correct. Argentina. The other one you Columbia, named, several others, one. the Yucatan, Kamachaka. All my countries are from the risk board. <laughs> I was just about to say. So, it sounds like risk. Yes. Roy jumps to Sam's defense, which we love Roy for, and him and Jamie get into a tiff. Mm. And I would call this a non-fight. Oh, so great. Where they go at it, but instead of throwing any type of, any type of fisticuffs, this is how <laughs> normal people would punch. Uh, as I've demonstrated, they just boxers. put their foreheads together and kind of like push, push with their foreheads. Is that how soccer players fight? I think because they're not allowed to use their hands. Well, yeah, maybe. Okay, I feel like Tart could probably get a good kick in. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's such a passive aggressive fight move, and I think they recently, over the past few years, like banned that move in soccer because that's what guys used to do. They used to always. They, they couldn't push some guy. They can't punch him in the face. Obviously, you'll get a red card. You'll get ejected. So you would always do that passive-aggressive, pushing the, pushing the heads together mm-hmm. and just try to push each other across. But now, if a guy even makes contact with head-to-head in that kind of like argumentative fighting sort of way, they'll give a guy the boot, give him a red card. Mm, interesting. Give them the boot. So give them cleats. Go give, go give them, them cleats to leave. in their car. Yep. Okay, got it. Trunk of their car. It reminded me of when someone is like your drunk friend is at a bar and they mouth mm. off to someone and neither person wants to fight, but neither person wants to back down. So there's just this weird like kind of like body pushing. <laughs> it typically like they're rolling on the floor and then they start kissing and you're like, wait, was this a fight? And But yeah, uh I'm typically one that thinks if you're gonna fight, just throw a throw a punch. Well, really, you shouldn't. I say you can't be the first guy to throw a punch. Then it looks like you're sucker punching. No, you should do the pushes first. Listen, if you're going to do it, you should hit hard, fast, and just be done with it. None (laughs) of this weird forehead pushing. But I've never been in a fight, so it doesn't matter. It was a proper soccer fight. It was a great soccer fight, (laughs) and so Ted comes in to break it up, which is great. Then he says one of the best parts of the episode. He said, what's the first rule of my fight club? 
No Fight Club. That's what Beard says. Beard just comes out of nowhere. No Fight Club. Do you all want to know what the first rule of my Fight Club is? <laughs> no Fight Club. <laughs> they they break up and then Jamie can't not help himself call Roy one more name. And mm-hmm. so they get into a tiff. And then we cut to the credits, which is the first episode where they show the credits, which uh, I thought was really cool. Somebody still owes me $5. Oh, who said right. me $5. <laughs> who said they do it on camera. It has never actually given me the five dollars. Oh, I don't have my wallet in this polo. Interesting. Interesting. So then <laughs> we cut to uh, Rebecca's office. It is Higgins and Rebecca planning this gala. This mm-hmm. big... Do they call it a gala? I think so. It's fancier. Let's do that. Let's call it a gala. Sure. So it's a charity auction dinner. She is putting people at tables. Uh, what I like about the writing on the show is just by the comments she makes, you're realizing these are like rich, obnoxious <laughs> people. Someone like is a horse owner and gets kicked <laughs> in the face with a horse. She calls table eight the boring table, well, or maybe you, it's a different table. Yeah, it was table four was the boring table. Okay. Um, but you missed the greatest part about the horse bit, where they falls off the horse and like, oh no, is, is the horse okay? Oh yeah, she asked. She Re- had to make sure the horse is okay. Rebecca could care less for these guests <laughs> because she wants to know if the horse is okay, not the guests that got kicked in the face. <laughs> Uh, she calls table four, whatever table it was, boring table. Higgins has been placed at the boring table and the sad realization on Higgins' face. He should know by now. I feel bad for Higgins. I love Higgins. Yeah. You love Nate. I love Higgins. Yeah. Then we go down to the pitch where Ted, Beard, and Nate are all watching training. Ted is sensing tension between the team. It's a house divided. And as uh, Abraham Lincoln said, a house divided cannot stand. He was a president. Um, Never heard of him. The last great president, some would say. <laughs> and so then they bring up West Side Story. Are you familiar with West Side Story? I watched West Side Story maybe like once back in middle school, high school, okay. when a teacher didn't want to teach that day. So it's like, oh, let's just throw on West Side Story. But I didn't know. Like he says, it's, it's Anita. A scathing indictment of teachers. Well, I mean, teachers didn't know what teachers do. If they're kind of hungover, they'll just throw in a movie. Sorry. They'll roll out the TV and throw in a movie. Both of our parents are teachers. So. <laughs> I love my mom. She's a fantastic I love teacher. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. But yeah, West Side Story. I, I know the general, you know, the, the Jets and the Sharks. So that's kind of obviously what they're doing. But then Nate comes in with the Anita reference, which is great. Right. And then says he's comes from an all-boys school because they question why he was the female character. Yeah, they they make some comment about, you know, Jets for Sharks fighting and then someone getting stabbed. And Nate corrects Ted's recollection. Mm. And, and Beard gives him this look like he's surprised that Nate knows West Side Story. And we find out that Nate played Anita, who is a character in West Side Story. I asked the question because I don't know West Side Story. I get West Side Story confused with, like, Grease 2. Toy Story? Um, No, no, no. Any of those, like, kind of leather jacket, car, like, dancing and snapping movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Our audio guy's going to love the snapping. I get them confused. So I don't know West Side Story. But I do appreciate that Ted says something like, (laughs) We've peeled another juicy layer of Nate's life away. Uh, he he loves finding more and more out about Nate. And yeah. Nate has lived a pretty interesting life. Uh, we learned he's never owned a fitted suit before, no. which is pretty good. And then they're interrupted from Rebecca, who I think it's kind of a fun setup. Her office That's great. overlooking the pitch so she can open a window and just shout down to them. Yeah, and it's fun because you always assume that, like, her office is going to be like a stage or it's it's somewhere else mm-hmm. like whatever but the fact that they 
like you can see into that office. It looks legitimately like the office. And when they're in her office, you can see down to the sure. window. So I love how they married the two uh, scenes um, that we've seen thus far. Yeah, remind me to do some research on like how they set that up, whether or not they're at an actual. I know you said the soccer is played in an actual place. I wonder if they shoot in an actual the place. The training ground is like a local. I can't remember. I think we said it in one of the pods. It's like a local football club sure. that they do the training stuff on. When they do the games, I think they actually go to Selhurst Park, which is Crystal Palace's stadium. Well, how do they get the pitch in the background through the windows if they're not actually there? No, the the training pitch in the window or office, that is all one like training facility. Okay. And it probably is the field or actually the main stadium for the smaller team. Okay. But when they do the stadium polls, that's the bigger Premier League team, Crystal Palace. Right, because there's no way a TV show can put something in a window that's not actually there. They Impossible. have not invented that yet. Impossible. So then Rebecca's shouting from her office and she's shouting at Beard about... Yeah, whether uh, he wanted chicken or steak. He said he can't have both. And then the great line from... Uh, uh, Ted is he just like busted, busted, <laughs> and then Beard, Beard, you really it doesn't choose. He just goes okay, yeah, and it's almost like he still thinks he can get away from it if he doesn't commit. <laughs> and then Rebecca yells at Ted, and he goes busted again. I don't think he says busted once. Oh, he, says he says busted to uh, to Beard, and then Beard has the the thing that he says, and then I think he says Ted. He says uh oh. Oh, okay. Well, I think he says busted. I'll bet you $5 that he says busted. Wow. All right. So, Ten. The, I'll never get it, but. The question is, who is Ted's plus one? And he, of course, assumes it's Beard. Yep. But Beard has a. He has a plus one. He has a plus one. And we find out his plus one comes from. Chess Club. Chess Club, which, which we'll learn a little bit later, I believe. So I, I'm to assume, we touched on this in the last pod, where he was like up all night and couldn't sleep. Sure. Is it, the assumption is he was with his chess friend the whole time? Or is this something different? Doing what? What do you think him and the chess friend were doing? I don't know. Again, <laughs> Beard is an enigma to me. I don't understand him. Because I think. And this is not a bit. I think you think that he's been playing chess all night. Maybe. maybe, Or maybe he was like wooing this chess girl and then invited her to this. Okay. My assumption, and I earmuffs for those of you, is that Beard has been making love to this plus one chest and that's why he's been up all night but you I think it's literally chess i don't know if i know i i don't maybe chess is a euphemism listen i'm euphemism? not i'm not sold that he has been playing chess all night from the previous episode when i say he didn't get to sleep i am not pulling off the table that he's a dracula oh he could be a dracula <laughs> oh we just took a turn i'm just saying i hope people took their earmuffs <laughs> off for that it's possible he could be a Dracula. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that was my other thing. He's either making love, playing chess, or is a Dracula. Yes. Well, he was making love to this lady, and then later on, oh, you know, man. he doesn't. The the lady leaves because of him wanting to play the game, which we'll get into. Sure. I can't imagine they would have that relationship where she would just leave after one date and be making love the previous date. Oh, I don't think they. You think he's just a player. He's out there. No, I feel like the relationship has been going on, but you're right. Maybe he has just been all night playing chess. Maybe my mind has been in the gutter. Anyways, so then we go to Rebecca is in her office. Ted comes up and she is looking at dresses. He says, oh, I can't wear this anymore. She's she's looking through. And by the way, she looks fantastic. I don't know what she's talking yeah, about. Gorgeous. But 
Ted knows what to do in that situation. And he says, hey, you could definitely pull that off. And this is our first fashion reference. He says, fashion is all about confidence. Mm -hmm. And my man Tom here knows all about fashion and confidence because for Halloween, you were... Uh, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. And you dressed just like... Freddie Mercury. And you were stylish just like... Freddie Mercury. You've done a great job. Thank you. Please don't expand. (laughs) No, no, no. We've done enough on that. I had a mustache, a, uh, a, a tank, a white tank top, and jeans on. That was yeah, the extent. Well, no, I incredible. did have the arm thing. I did have the, the thing between the bicep and the shoulder or whatever you call it. Tom, Tom, the jeans you were wearing, where did you get said jeans? They might have been my wife's jeans. <laughs> they fit pretty well. Good for you. We don't have that situation in my my house. I could... Anyways, um, you both are very fit, lovely people. Yep. So And like Jamie, it was very tight in the crotch. <laughs> Incredible. And Rebecca is going through what as they have this conversation. She's, I guess, she's, she's worried, right? She's, yeah, this is going to be the first gala that she's going to put on without Rupert's assistance. And I think, you know, she kind of says the little line like, oh, I usually do most of this stuff without Rupert anyways. But you can kind of tell, I think she's kind of a little bit false modesty where she did do a lot. Maybe not false modesty. That's not the right word. Yeah, no, that's um, not. Kind <laughs> of that bits there. Um, I think she's she's actually trying to act more confident than she feels. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Um, So she's uh, definitely kind of over overcompensating. That would work. Yes. That was what I was looking for. We got there. Yep. Oh, was there? Okay. No, does it. So so then she mentions that the musical guest canceled and the musical guest is Robbie Williams. Mm. I had to look Robbie Williams up. Robbie Williams was the voice of Genie, the Genie in <laughs> nope. Aladdin. Nope. Mrs. Doubtfire. Wrong. Very wrong. He, I think he started off as a stand-up comedian. I don't mm. know what he's doing nowadays, but um, had you not heard of the Robbie Williams, no. Sir Robert Williams? <laughs> no. Once again, I no, I did. He not. had so. I definitely knew the name. He was not huge in America, but he definitely had some hits. And the biggest one was Millennium. I will. You know, not saying it for the purposes of uh, the audience because I have a terrible singing voice. Are you saying Willennium? No, 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 not Willennium. It was Millennium. Okay. Around, it came out around the same same time, 2000s. And then he also had Did it come song. out around the <laughs> Millennium? <laughs> because that would be pretty good marketing. I don't know. We'll have okay. to look it up. Sure. Uh, but then Rock DJ, I think, was his other big one. Um, he's a handsome fella. Like the, the video of Rock DJ, if you haven't seen it, I recommend to go YouTube it or just watch a highlight video. It's him literally on a platform wearing this like photorealistic bodysuit that just shows all of his muscles. Okay. Uh, and he's like ripping his muscles off okay. and throwing them to a crowd of adoring uh, females. Sure. You had me at the middle part. That sounded interesting. And at one point, he grabs both of his buttocks and rips those off and throws them to the crowd. It's a very odd Picked video. Up at the end there. It's a very, very odd video. I check it out. So he's not the son of. 90s sitcom star Alan Thick. This is not. Those are different people. Those are different names. Alan Thick and Robbie Williams. Okay, that's Robin Thick. Robin Thick. Okay, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're mixing up Robbie Williams, Robin Williams with Robbie Williams, changing last names to Thick and. Okay. Listen, we've gone off a rail. Names, names are hard, <laughs> and people do them weird. Like sometimes when people get married they take the other person's name so it can get confusing so no musical guest our man higgins gets put in charge of finding a new one higgins is like i'm a classic or uh, i'm a natural problem solver which higgins is he does this thing where he throws his phone up 
And I don't know how the actor did it, whether or not it was just a lucky accident, but he like bobbles it and then he catches it in the most awkward way. And I don't think you can like practice that. I think it like naturally happened because he, you know, do you remember what? Oh yeah, he kind of grabbed, he kind of claws it underneath his armpit. He, they probably did like 20, 30 takes, I imagine. And they just, took, and they just uh, got one. I felt like that actor was generally proud that he caught the phone. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of, of Higgins' physical comedy uh, than I am over Nate's. Oh. I feel like Nate's physical comedy is So that's what this times. has become. It's Higgins versus Nate between <laughs> the two of Higgins us. Higgins v. Nate. Okay, that's fine. What I do think is funny, and this is classic Lasso, my good man, always up for a compliment, being positive. That's why I love the guy, because mm. he's just like me. Or yeah. at least I'm trying to become like him. When Higgins leaves, Ted says something like, Higgins, Rebecca appreciates all that you do for her <laughs> and then he looks and rebecca gives him this look like why would you compliment him like why would you she's upset with ted for complimenting <laughs> higgins on her behalf yeah which i do think is very funny and of course higgins thanks ted for oh, complimenting yeah. <laughs> on her behalf he's like thanks ted as he leaves the room which is so great the power of a compliment i don't think people really understand we don't do it enough i am a terrible um compliment receiver not that i get a lot of them but i'm a terrible compliment receiver because in my mind i think you're just saying that to be polite like or you want something from me well i don't typically go that dark mm. it just depends on the purpose person but most of the time i just i am not open to a compliment but i do think it is a very lovely habit of getting into with people maybe you don't know really really well or even friends that you've known for a while I have tried, from this show, I've tried to, and my spouse is going to listen to this and be like, this is complete bogus. <laughs> but I have given some thought to it, uh, especially with like teenagers or kids that naturally I would find annoying. Mm -hmm. I try and do a better job of like complimenting them on something because the power of a compliment, I think, cannot be understated or overstated. I said that wrong. So just to get this clear, you're complimenting high school age women <laughs> <laughs> just for the record no that is not what i'm saying i'm saying much younger oh okay that probably doesn't make it better <laughs> but anyways hey, i really like your colored shirt see i don't believe you it's not true <laughs> <laughs> see and this is why i've been burned before by a compliment and so that brings us to keely and jamie i think they're in jamie's house yeah probably i guess do we know either of their living spaces at this point? You want to imagine they're both pretty well off. Um, or do they know, live together? Yeah. I'm old fashioned. I assume if they're unmarried that they're not living together. Yeah, maybe they're probably yeah, they're probably not living together. No, they wouldn't be living together. I okay, you don't think they're that serious? No. And maybe I'm just saying that based on what happens later in this episode, but I don't think they're living together. Okay, that's fair. So we find ourselves at the abode of one of their houses. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense. Jamie is trying on a suit for the gala. And his quote is, because he's he looks great in the suit, by the way. The yeah. guy can wear a suit. Yeah, handsome man. He's looking in the mirror, full-length mirror, really enjoying his reflection, as we all do. Mm -hmm. And he is not a vampire. So nope. have we seen Beard walk in front of a mirror that our audience, give us a timestamp of if you see Beard walk in front of a mirror, because that bar probably has mirrors. By the Anyways, way, not a vampire, a Dracula. Okay, sure. Those we'll go are, to that later. Those are different things. So he says, as he's looking at himself in this suit and he's disappointed, 
I can't do his accent, so I'm just going to say it, but it is better in his accent. Yeah. He says, I don't know. It's got no hood, no zips, no graffiti. <laughs> graffiti. <laughs> I tried it. And then his sticking point is, there's no graffiti. It turns to look at Keely. It turns no to look at Keely, yeah. which is just so great. We've seen his wardrobe through the show. Mm -hmm. And so he proceeds to remove his shirt mm. and tie mm. and just wear a jacket over his very well waxed chest, yes. which we discovered from yep. the pilot. Mm -hmm. He tells Keely, I'm very good at this fashion stuff. People <laughs> don't know I'm incredible at this fashion stuff, which is a very humble brag of his. And he calls himself a progeny. Which I knew it wasn't right, but I didn't know I knew what progeny meant. So he's not wrong. He is a progeny because progeny means like, I had to look it up. It means like a descendant of someone. Okay. Yeah. So he is clearly born of someone. Otherwise, he's, I don't know. He could, he could be like a test tube. Uh, like, like maybe he's got some crazy backstory where he's like some lab created soccer genius. Maybe he was born of a virgin uh, around the December time frame. I don't know. We don't know yet. yet. But what the word he means to say is prodigy. Prodigy, yeah. thank you. The classic, one of uh, your favorite bands, right? Yeah, I was just about to say one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Right up there with... Chumbawamba. No, 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 no. Spice Girls. No, 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 no. Papa no. You do love a Spice Girls <laughs> music video, though. I've I been do. there for that. So they uh, we we cut there before uh, before you move on so <laughs> before we move on from that scene yeah please go into the end no, of that scene i, I want sure to go to say no i just wanted to mention that uh keely you know she had made a point that if he wants to be more i can't remember what the words they use like more of an icon or more, more of a more, brand more of a brand he needs to develop his brand yes he wants to develop his brand he has to kind of wear fashion needs to clothes and all that kind of stuff so she sure. kind of makes mention of that so i think uh it kind of comes up again later, so I wanted to make note of it. Sure. We cut to Ted and Nate meeting each other in the street. They're walking to the gala. We see a street performer, the guy that we saw in the pilot. Mm -hmm. Looks like a homeless dude playing a guitar. Among other things. He's got a whole band. And it's important because he comes up later in the episode. We see Nate. Nate is looks like he stole his grandfather's suit. <laughs> Ted, great line from Ted. He says, are you the are you one of those guys that likes when he gets told that he has something in his teeth? <laughs> uh, which Nate, I think, says the affirmative. Yeah. And Ted's like, that suit does not fit you. <laughs> and so they go to make a pit stop to get Nate a, a suit that actually fits. And then we find ourselves at the gala photo op. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm interested in this because with a premier team like this, I... I always think of Richmond as like a small like town, but it's essentially a suburb of London. Mm -hmm. And so would there be paparazzi? Are these guys that famous? I mean, any Premier League team, I think, is going to draw a crowd. I don't think like the lower table guys. But, but again, like we talked about, this is a, even if it's a smaller town, whatever it is, people love their football. They love their soccer sure. in that town. So I think there would absolutely be a following. Sure. I almost thought there would have been more paparazzi and stuff. Like when they kind of come out, there's maybe 10 guys sure. taking pictures. I thought it might be a little bit more of an affair. So it's like a, a red carpet. They're walking in. The players all do their thing. Like Isaac flexes. He's the big dude. Sam. I love Sam. <laughs> Sam is becoming a lasso. What does he do as the as the photographers are taking his picture? He thanks them. Mm -hmm. And then he starts asking their names. Yeah. Which I just thought was like a great thing that, once again, lasso is big on names. I think it's an important skill. 
I've tried to be so much better at it in life. Just like the importance of knowing someone's name and remembering it. And I can tell you, I just went back to my family reunion with like 60 extended family members. And it'd been 15 years. Uh, remembering people's names is hard, mm -hmm. even when they're family. But I think there is a like an important aspect of that, just kind of from a like a respect level. So no, I, I thought it was interesting that like Sam was doing that on the red carpet. No, yeah, I agree, Julius. It was one of those things that <laughs> you just you really see that rough <laughs> off of lasso. Oh goodness. Oh, oh and we, and we, yeah, we would love Sam. And then obviously, then Rebecca kind of comes on. Or actually, no, Keely, Keely, Keely and, and Jamie, come, and Jamie come on. And they're obviously both, you know, they're the fashionistas. They're the ones that are, you know, Keely's obviously a model. She's used to getting her picture taken. She kind of knows how to run that kind of crowd. Sure. Uh, and then that's what kind of Rebecca kind of comes from behind. And she can tell she's kind of trying to shoo him off the stage a little bit. Like, so all right, she can just get through. Enough. Yeah. And she wants to get through, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. And you get Jamie giving his classic pose, which he calls. Uh, which is a confused look. The confused look. <laughs> which is a general Jamie look. One, he's like left eyebrow, right. I don't. I, I can only barely do left eyebrow. Left eyebrow, right eyebrow, confused look. And then Keely steps in and she's like, now use the one you're actually going to put in the paper because, mm -hmm. of course, we would much rather look at her than him. Well, that's not necessarily true. Nope. And then, so Rebecca gets in, whispers to Keely, and this is, there are parts in the show that I really like where it's bonding between those two. Mm -hmm. They're obviously coming from like different parts of, they've lived different lives, but Rebecca mentions to Keely that she hates this part. Mm -hmm. And so Keely being a, just a kind soul, yeah, which is interesting that she ended up with Jamie, but I think that happens in life. She gives her some advice on how to take a better photo. Mm-hmm. Some stuff that I learned that I now do. I do a claw on the hip. Crab claw, foot in front. Yep. Exactly. And then what's really funny is Keely then circles behind <laughs> the photographers and starts like catcalling. Not yeah. catcalling, but like shouting compliments to Rebecca. Yeah. And Rebecca does this very smooth like twirl mm -hmm. uh, during the photo, which... She's got her confidence, man. It was great. Yeah. So we see them bonding there. And then we're in the party. And Ted and Rebecca meet each other. They both look great. She's wearing the dress that Ted told her she could definitely pull off. Mm -hmm. Did you catch this? Rebecca oh, yeah. and Nate meet, shake hands. And Nate says, great to see you. And she says, nice to meet you. And of course, his response right back is, nice to meet you, nice too. Nice to meet you, like, too. He, he, can't, he can't let it go. Or, or he's just going to continue on it. He, and he doesn't want to correct her. Doesn't want to correct her. That's Laugh exactly right. I'm glad you came up with that off the top of your head mm -hmm. very quickly. He is such a people pleaser, yeah, he won't correct her. Then we find out that Beard and his date met at Chess Club, which mm -hmm. we already talked about at the top. Oh, and then it cuts to Roy coming in with the photographers, which is just a great scene. He doesn't even turn to look at him, which is, this is not very lasso of Roy, I will say that. <laughs> no. But Roy is just essentially giving them the finger. And just the way Roy repeats things aggressively and angrily, mm -hmm. I always find funny. <laughs> Then we find ourselves at the table that Ted arranged. So it's Roy, Jamie, Ted, Nate, Keely. And then there's two random people that just have their back to the camera. A little trick of TV. Yeah. I don't think they're anyone on the team. Or it seems interesting that those key people would be at this table and then random people. But I didn't set up the tables. Rebecca did. Well, and but Ted Roy... had a hand in it. What? He had a hand in it. Ted had a hand in it. He parent, right. he parent trapped y'all. Parent trapped y'all. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, so <laughs> they all arrive and they find, and Keely says something like, this is going to be awkward. And Ted says, yeah, the parent trap. Now, when 
Did you watch Parent Trap? Do you know I, of this film? I do not know Parent Trap. I know that Lindsay Lohan was in it as a child, mm-hmm. and she apparently was like a phenomenal actress in it and did a really great job. Yeah, because she plays two parts. Mm-hmm. She she plays an American and a British person, right? Correct. I have not seen the movie, but I know that she flawlessly pulls off the American accent. See, I grew up with like the Haley Mills one, who was Who's like Haley Mills. Haley Mills. She's uh, an old actress. You. Probably more familiar to folks our age. Uh, she played Miss Bliss in like the early Saved by the Bell episodes, like when they were in Not middle school. Not a Saved by the Bell guy. Well, uh, that's probably what you know her from. In but... fact, put this on record. I think Saved by the Bell's dumb. Well, I guess we're not doing a Saved by the Bell pod, <laughs> unfortunately. Goodness. Um, but yeah, she, again, same concept. She doesn't have a twin in real life. They just got to duplicate her. But it was really cool back then because it was like made in like 1961, I think, okay. when I looked it up. Uh, and they did that same kind of... Uh, you know, it's a single person, single actress that's doing both parts, and the effects they used back then were really good. But I hear the parrot trap, and I immediately, you know, took me back there. Sure. So you prefer that one over 100%. Right. 100%. I'm surprised they did a movie about divorce in the 60s. That doesn't seem like it was a very. I'm pretty sure they ended up together at the end. Okay. Because that's what the kids do. The kids brought him back, the parent trapped y'all, just like we'll see Ted do. That's how every divorce should end with the people <laughs> back together and unhappy as ever. <laughs> So Ted starts talking to Roy and Jamie and he explains to him, hey, you don't have to like each other, but we need to come to find some kind of mutual respect Mm -hmm. because the team is divided. And as Abe Lincoln said, Uh, team divided will fall on their faces. Close. A house divided cannot stand. He also said, (laughs) if you are a racist, I will invade you with the North. That's a (laughs) Michael Scott. I guess Wayne Some, Gretzky. Summary of a Wayne Gretzky quote. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to get these guys to come to common ground. He does talk about he wants his locker room like he wants his mother's bathing suit in one piece. Yeah, good luck. Which is a great line. And then we get Nate making a joke because Keely says, hey, I'll extend the first olive branch, even though she's not involved in this mm-hmm. feud. And she says, hey, Nate. That suit looks great on you. Mm-hmm. And Nate's response is to tell. He does a terrible joke about <laughs> him only owning two suits. This one and then the one that he was born in, like that he was naked in. Clearly not saying it's a birthday suit that Ted corrects him on. But again, I just love that comedy with Nate. Like he's trying to do the lasso stuff, but he just can't sure. quite get there. Like by the end of the season, he's going to be right there. Sure. What he says is he says something like, it was funnier when Ted says it. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. he has stolen a joke from Ted and reused it. Have you ever been in a situation where you told a joke, and then not that long after, someone who you told it to used it to, like, a group of people? In your and presence? in your mind, you were like, they just stole my joke. I don't think that's happened to me, but I feel like if they do, you got to at least, you have to give credit. Say, hey, this is Julian's joke. I once was at a event where a person, we were celebrating the life of a person that had passed. Okay. We had done the service. I had removed my, uh, my, collared shirt. my collared shirt. So I was in a white shirt and slacks. And I made some joke like, I look like an off-duty waiter. <laughs> and I made this to my father. And he laughed. <laughs> Five minutes later, we were the group of people. And my dad goes, yeah, he looks like an <laughs> off-duty waiter. And everyone laughed. And I was furious. And I'm still holding on to it. That's Dad, really you are on record or something. <laughs> Notice. <laughs> Notice. That's what it is. So then hey, we established the beginning. 
Words are hard. Words are hard. Words are hard. That's exactly true. Then we have Ted (laughs) asking Jamie and Roy to tell each other, you know, what their issue with. Uh, And Roy just keeps repeating the same thing, which is, he's a piece of poop. He's a piece of poop. He's a piece of poop. (laughs) Which is not his exact line, but once again, my children have to listen to this when they're 30. So, (laughs) he's a piece of poop. And then Jamie says something like, I wouldn't pee in his ear if his brain was on fire or something like that, which is a really weird and graphic uh, insult. (laughs) And then Ted decides, hey, I've got a solution for this. And he says, he's like, yeah, I got an idea that's either going to help a lot or hurt a lot or or no. Cut. (laughs) No, it's in town. I got an idea that's going to help a little or hurt a lot. Quotes are hard. The quotes are hard. Especially when they're written in front of you. And And when they're written so well by Bill Lawrence and all the other people that write I did find that little sequence interesting because I don't think of Ted like as a drinker or or him thinking that introducing alcohol is going to help. So I think that line is is good. It can make sense. He's like, okay, I got to maybe try to appeal to these guys because they likely are are drinkers. I think at any gathering, alcohol helps people get along and kind of loosen up. Mm -hmm. I know it helps me a ton. (laughs) Pro-alcohol over here. I'm really glad Prohibition ended. Take a sip for the audience. Uh, no, not on mic. Never. <laughs> gulp, gulp, gulp. <laughs> gulp, gulp, gulp. So then we find Higgins and Rebecca in the bar. She's asking him about whether or not he found a musical guest. And he does that thing that we all do when we failed at something, where the answer is really a yes or a no, and we talk around it only to get to, no, he has not found a musical Correct. guest. He had to let her know how good he's been doing with finding people that can't come. Sure, sure. So Rebecca's working on her speech. Ted comes in and he says, hey, speeches are easy. First thing you do, just make fun of yourself. (laughs) And she is brilliant in this moment because she's like, oh, Ted, what would I make fun of myself about? Essentially asking Ted, what do you (sighs) find funny about me? Ooh. (sighs) Yep. Uh, (laughs) uh... Not going to walk into that one, are you, Ted? Nope, not going to do that. And he does this very funny bit where he walks away, he grabs the beers, mm-hmm. he walks away, and then he comes back into frame to go, wait, I thought, no, 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 and then he goes back out. I love that kind of comedy. Right. Like, there's two comedy bits I love. Somebody coming back into frame to, like, do a quick little bit, and then somebody screaming, and then you just cut away. Sure. Like, if somebody's just screaming no or whatever, and then it just cuts. They cut. I love right. it. Yeah, my only issue is he didn't storm through a door to come back oh, and that'd say, be good. like he did in her office. So then Beard and his date, who we find out her name is Jane, okay. are playing chess kind of adjacent to the bar. It's almost like a side room near the kitchen and bar. Mm-hmm. They're playing chess without a board with only their mind. Impressive. Which is impressive. I've never learned like the chessboard squares. I'm sure once you did that, then you got to, well, I'm sure it's hard. I've never done it. I could do it. You know what? I'd be really good at it. That's what I decided. (laughs) So they're calling out chess moves. Ted walks by and he's blown away that they are playing without a board. He's like, you guys are playing without a board. He's like, oh, sorry to interrupt. And then he moves on. I thought like Ted might want to like, converse with her a little bit more I like thought, learn who she is yeah. sure um but like i get it if somebody is in that thing trying they're in the middle to of a game a Tom. yeah it would be rude but i'd love like beard like childish giggle like after he says his movie he's like queen to rook four three <laughs> gives a little <laughs> giggle as he yeah. goes back he does do a really good giggle comedy goal does beard yeah so then we have the start of the auction. Rebecca does an introduction. She makes fun of herself. She's not much of a hugger. Mm-hmm. We get Ted giving her like the thumbs up, double guns. Hey, you did a great job. 
We find out that it is an auction where they are bidding on players to essentially like spend the day or go on a date with them, that sort of thing. Spend some time with a famous person from a Premier League soccer. Would you spend money to spend time with a Premier League soccer player? No. My follow-up question, since you said yes, is which player would you most want to spend time with? I I mean, I'd enjoy spending time with a soccer player just to be able to see like an insight into their world but like spending the kind of money that these people and i know it's all for charity or whatever for the children it's for the children for the children you um, have to say it for the children yeah you have to say it kind of like in a rich people thing where they're not really doing it for the children they're doing it because they want to make spoilers i thought they good. were all sincere I let me so. let me say this you have a hundred dollars to spend. You're gonna win the bid with a hundred dollars. Okay. Who would you spend the day with for a hundred dollars? A Premier Soccer League. I think one of my favorite Premier League soccer players is Didier Drogba, who is a famous uh, Ivory Coast player. The guy that killed Rocky. You would spend the day with the guy that killed Rocky. Not Ivan Drago. Did, oh, and he killed Apollo. Never Didier, mind. Yes, he did kill Apollo. Uh, no, Didier Drogba. He's a, a famous um, Ivory Coast, uh, Ivorian Coast uh, soccer player. Played for Chelsea for the longest time. Uh, helped secure Chelsea's first Champions League victory in the, I think it was their first victory, if not um, uh, first in a long time. Uh, but he also came and now owns part of the local soccer team we have here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Um, so I think he's just a crazy interesting guy. He's traveled the world playing soccer. Does a lot of uh, charity work and things like that. It'd be a very interesting guy to sit down and talk to. He Wonderful. Does it, he does it for the children. The correct answer was Mia Ham. That's who I'd choose. So well, the hamster. That I hope is not a real <laughs> nickname. But then in the middle of the auction, as she's introducing it, who shows up but our mm. boy, our least favorite character. I'm talking number nine on the scale of top ten characters, Rupert Mannion. He doesn't make number ten? There's somebody coming in that's 10. That's even higher. Than I haven't thought this through. I just said that. Okay. Fair. But I'll make it work by the end of the 10th episode. Stick with us until then. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. So then Rupert Mannion comes in. He is Rebecca's ex-husband. He is smarmy. He is rich. You don't like him. Or maybe you do like him. If you do like him, I would suggest reevaluating your life and your priorities. He interrupts. The thing I love about the guy is he like takes someone's champagne mm. and the, doesn't even flinch. He's just like, I deserve what you have in your hand. I'm going to take it from you. Yeah. The actor that plays Rupert Mannion is a gentleman by the name of Anthony Head. And I am about to blow your mind. This guy also played a famous Rupert. Rupert Giles, or Giles, I never watched the show, it doesn't matter, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, the Did movie or the ev- show? The TV show with huh. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Did okay. you ever watch Buffy the Vampire? I was not a Buffy head guy. I also did not watch the show, but as soon as I read that that's what he was in, I knew which character it was. It's like the the father figure to Buffy. He's got glasses. I think he always oh. hangs out in a library. Yes, see? Oh, no. Yeah, it, it just, touched your brain. It just yes. clicked. Wow. That guy is the same actor. And so right now, a lot of people listening to this are being like, of course it's that guy. You guys are stupid. <laughs> Other people are saying they're not stupid. They're just dumb. <laughs> so he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wow. And my question to you, do you like or love Rupert Mannion? Uh, no. 
He's the absolute worst. On a scale of 9 to 10, would you rank him a 9 or a 10? I would rank him a negative 43. It's not how the scale works, Tom. <laughs> I do appreciate she's like, I wasn't expecting you to show up. And he's like, why? Or whatever. And she's like, because you RSVP'd no. Oh, yeah. Which is <laughs> such a great line. Well, Rebecca, I think, handles it beautifully. Because the, oh, people, she does. the oh, yeah. people in this room know like that it's a messy divorce oh, sure. that she was cheating on her the whole time kind of or yeah he was cheating on her the whole time and i think that she you know she kind of throws some little quips out there kind of like as fun but she shakes it off she kind of laughs it off and she certainly is dealing with the pain uh, outside kind of with ted but very very well handled i don't know if i could have handled it that well so yeah with a lot of grace sure. she she agrees to seat him at the boring table mm. with higgins yep <laughs> where they seemingly were friends so that's great you probably had steak, not chicken. <laughs> so then we find ourselves uh, at the bar with Nate. He gives a very sly, smooth Ooh. wink to the barkeep. Oh, and she is. Uh, Nate's looking dapper, man. He looks great. She's attractive. That actor does this one dance. He's done it in multiple episodes. And so when he walked in in his suit, Ted was like, don't strut. Let the suit do the strutting yeah. or whatever he says. Nate Ooh. says, thanks, doll, to the barkeep. I didn't catch that. Which takes a lot of confidence, for one. And I think we should call more women doll. I think in this day and age... It's 2020. It's 2020. <laughs> That's going to come up later when Jamie says, it's 2020, women could do anything. Yeah. Which is a great line. He then takes a drink Again, of a martini. It's just such great physical comedy. I'm sure they like shot this multiple times of him spitting out this martini, trying to look like the debonair James Bond style. And the way he spits out the martini, it's not like that slow, like, puckered lips that just kind of comes out of you like a water fountain. He just literally opens like, up his mouth. Yeah. It just pours out perfectly back into the martini glass, puts it down, seeming, seemingly think he's going to say something to the bartender, like, this wasn't good. Another waiter comes in and just grabs it and takes it away. It's sure. just, oh, lovely comedy. Yeah, martini are one of those drinks where they look good, like in a glass, but it's just essentially straight, like, alcohol. So I have one a, once. I've had a couple in my life, but I have a palate that appreciates straight alcohol. So that's enough about me. Colin and Isaac show up. Nate begs them not to mess with him on this night of all holy nights. And so what? To mess with me two times tomorrow instead of once. Tonight. Oh, mess with me two. Yes. Or Isaac says, we can't do it anymore. Roy says, we can't. Mm -hmm. And Colin says something like he headbutted me in the face. I can't see anymore. Yeah, I, I can't get, see straight. I get dizzy a lot. My doc doctor says I shouldn't be drinking. And then he <laughs> takes a swoop of a, a beer. A shot of beer. <laughs> that was great. We're back at the table. Jamie spills soup on his shirtless chest. Mm -hmm. And then he uses an ice cube to try. So weird. <laughs> so weird. So weird. No one would ever do that like, in public. Not a napkin. Like he's like, was he scooping it with the ice cube? No, was it because it's hot? It because, yes, it's because it's hot. He's trying to find relief with the ice cube. So weird. Once again, a TV show is um, super, super well done. Or someone who is just completely oblivious or does not care what people think. That old lady is like, oh, I wish I was that ice cube, <laughs> which is a great point. <laughs> and then Keely and Roy start messing with Jamie because that woman, that older woman, says she's going to bid on Jamie. Mm -hmm. And they make the point of letting Jamie know that if they pay over a certain amount, then Jamie has to perform some sort of sexual favors mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, over three, over three grand. You got to you gotta put out. Yep. So Keely and Roy are having a good time together. <laughs> 
have we seen them have a good time together before? We've seen them interact. We definitely have. This episode obviously starts to kind of do some sort of budding romance between the two. Well, which is interesting because Ted and Keeley are supposed to be the ones that see, you think are getting together. This is if false. If I recall right. This is false. Okay. I would see it more so with uh, with uh, Keeley Roy? and Roy. Sorry. Sure. So they are making fun of Keeley together, or uh, making fun of Jamie together. We're all over the place right now. They are making fun Jamie together. Roy and Keeley are. Perfect transition. So then Keely and Roy are making fun of Jamie, mm -hmm. which is great. Jamie, I think, storms off. And then Ted sidles in, not sidles, but comes into Roy and says, <laughs> phrasing. So then he says to Roy, you know, hey, what were you like at Jamie's age? Because I think Roy calls him a prima donna. Mm -hmm. And Roy says, yeah, I was also an Same. arrogant prima donna. Mm -hmm. So recognizing that at that time, he, you know, at that age, he was also kind yeah. of in the same place that Jamie is. And this is Ted, once again, trying to get Roy to connect with Jamie so that they can come together. He says, you know, a lot of people say youth is wasted on the on the young, but his line is. Yeah, don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you. And I love how proud Ted is of that saying because right. he can't let it go. He's like, gets up by the table and he's like, just came up with that right now. Feel pretty, pretty good about that. Pretty proud of that. In any other show, he would say that and leave. Yeah. Like, he'd depart. But in this show, he acknowledges, I just came up with that. I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> Nate comes in out of mm. nowhere. He's right next to Roy. And Roy says to him, why is your face so close to mine? Uh, uh, <laughs> Nate? You. you threw me off. <laughs> Nate mentions to Roy that he was going to hug him because he told Isaac and Colin off. He was going to hug him, but he chickened out at the last moment. So he's ended up in this weird middle spot. They had to have laughed. Like, I don't oh, know yeah. how you get through a scene like that when you're right up in somebody's face. This is great. Oh, 100%. But he goes, he does it, man. He goes in for the hug. He goes and they've in got for a the nice hug. moment. Roy's like, that's enough. Then we have Rebecca introducing Rupert to Ted. Rupert immediately, you know, he greets Ted, but then he goes into how bad the team is doing. He does this thing where he goes, had to say it. Don't want to. Had to say it. Didn't which have is to say just, it. Yeah, just such a smarmy thing Didn't to have say. To say it. <clears throat> and then he said, and Ted says, hey, we're going to turn around. And he goes, you know what? I believe you. And then he turns to Rebecca so that Rebecca can politely say, yes, I believe in Ted, too. She does not say anything. Yeah. And then Ted makes some comment like, it's going to take a dark turn if you don't say something or yeah. agree with him. And then she's <laughs> like, oh, yes, of course we believe in Ted. She gives the auction to Rupert. I mm -hmm. think that's the important thing. Is yep. She says, hey, why don't you take the auction? You were always so good at it. We'll make more money. Or I think, I think the idea here is he is a charmer. People love him. She thinks that, hey, people think I'm cold and unfriendly and I'm just not going to get the same response from the crowd. And I think she realizes that she, there's parts of the gala that she's kind of putting on, which I think she very much enjoys doing. Sure. And she's, yeah, and she's good at it. Very good at it. Doing that part, probably not uh, her strong suit or what she wants to do and knows that he could probably bring in more money. And I feel like, I don't know, again, Rebecca and Rupert, they're both just kind of rich people. I, Rupert certainly doesn't give a crap about the children. He's just doing this for a tax break, I imagine. Uh, Rebecca, I would hope, is Does trying to do children, it you know, yeah. for the right reasons. I do want to make mention of this, because I feel like we talked about music throughout this show. Sure. There's this like brass band music kind of playing, kind of the generic uh, gala music or whatever. Sure. Like I would background. imagine, yeah. 
wouldn't there shouldn't there be like a live band playing this or is it just playing through speakers in this event because i thought it odd that there was no band anywhere in sight yet this music is kind of playing through so you think it should have like panned out and there's just like a marching band in the corner no. playing it's not a, it's not a brass but i mean i don't know what what they're called like a, a string quartet or okay. something okay. like there should have been something in the background like not before robbie williams came but somebody kind of playing. I, sure. I thought that was interesting when I heard that music. I'm like, where is that band? Sure, like him singing the Aladdin song, that yes. one about the lamp and the genie, who is he and the lamp. Again, a little bit mixed up in the names. I don't think so. <laughs> the way he says for the children, the way they both say for the children, because he agrees to do the auction. He's like, it's for the children. And mm. she says, for the children. And it's just like, makes you cringe inside because deep down i don't think he cares one bit about the children no. who these children are and what they need i don't know but it's uh very smarmy of him maybe it's the kids from the uh the school we just saw roy's beloved niece phoebe yeah of she should get all the money in the world she's wonderful <laughs> rupert then does that thing where he gives her a compliment but it seems very like underhanded mm. it's like oh Good for you for wearing that dress. Good for you getting out there. Oh, you look so youthful. And you just want to punch the guy in the face. Yep. And you can see this all happens in front of Ted. So Ted, obviously, I mean, from the very beginning, I'm sure Ted doesn't like Rupert. Mm -hmm. But he does get the sense that Rupert is a snake and not a very good human. Yep. And then Ted decides that beer is not going to be <laughs> enough for him. Yep. So he goes up to the different bar and he's like, I'm going to need something stronger than this. I would like a double and a single and one, so a triple. <laughs> then we roll into the auction. And the first player that's up, and maybe this is just cut for time because it's a TV show. But the first player that's up is Jamie Tart. My thought would be you would save Jamie Tart because he's the star of the team. You would save him for last, right? Yeah, you got to imagine he's going to bring in the most money. Right. Like, you usually want to put your good beats up front, but I feel like in an auction like this, you would want to save your beats for the end. The show beats. That's so funny. I went to the auction where you want the fake Bruce Springsteen tickets to be the last item that's auctioned <laughs> yeah. up. So you would give away Phyllis's free or Phyllis's hugs. Um, I don't know what any of the other gifts were, but that's so funny that that's where your brain went as well. It's from the office, if you didn't. If they didn't know. Another Listen, great if we have to explain that that was from The Office, we've got the wrong Some people audience. might not get it. Jamie tells Keely to bid on him. She says something like, no, I'm your girlfriend. It's going to be sad if I bid on you. Mm -hmm. And his line is, it's 2020. Women can do anything. Yeah, which, again, <laughs> has no idea what that means. He just, he just says that because he thinks it's something you should say. Uh, but it's obviously demeaning towards women. I laughed so hard my microphone <laughs> fell off, which is not the first audio issue we've had tonight. Yes, nor will that big loud clap you just did. That's what made it fall off my sweet, sweet yep. collared shirt. Totally worth it. Jamie up there. A bidding ward starts essentially first between the elderly woman and Keeley. Not just any elderly woman, man. That's Cheryl Barnaby. <laughs> That's Richmond's premier breeder of Shetland ponies. <laughs> Cheryl Barnaby, you're right. Forgive me. I'll use her Christian name. It's interesting that uh, Rupert knows her like, and has some sort of like relationship with her that he knows this local Shetland pony breeder. What I thought was interesting as I was like, was that not the woman that got kicked in the face by the horse? Apparently there's a ton <laughs> of horse people at this auction. So oh, that's right. 
they get into a bidding war. It's Keely and a mystery woman who is a very attractive younger mm-hmm. woman at a different table. We cut from there and we find Rebecca and Ted outside where Rebecca is watching a rickshaw ride through the streets. You can tell that she's shaken up. She says, I've always thought those looked like fun. Have you ever written one, Ted? And Ted says, no, but me and my wife rented a tandem <laughs> bike at one point and... And a chipped tooth and bruised my perineum. And bruised my perineum. Tom, are you familiar with what the perineum is? Now, the perineum... Remember, we are a child, a child listening show, Tom. Okay. A uh, perineum is a place where you sit on a bicycle. Oh, oh, look at you. It's where you sit on the bicycle. It's, okay. it's going to be that spot. So, you know, you just hit it hard. It's between... It's between um, two important things. It's between uh, the anus. No, you could have just left it at bike. And the scrotum. Oh, no. <laughs> You've ruined it. Now we have to put that M rating on our podcast. Should I not? You. Should I not be doing this with my hands? No, yeah, no... I don't know. I can't believe you sign language. Well, that. I, I mean, those are the proper terms. When sure. I looked at, I literally had to look up a parody. I'm like, I'm pretty sure what that is. You went uh, to Urban Dictionary. But I had to make sure. Explained it to you. That was a medical journal I pulled that from. <laughs> Good for you. Rebecca expresses to Ted, just has a moment with him where she expresses how alone she feels, how Rupert's like blunt honesty was something that she found at one point point like refreshing but mm. what she realizes is it's just him covering up his own insecurities and he was controlling and he would just say these things and uh, she essentially is alone and you feel for her because she makes a comment like he told me if i ever left him that i would be alone and sure enough here i am mm-hmm. alone and well and you do feel bad for her. i mean and, and i get that she's depressed she's alone she feels alone in this in this situation but i mean it's still fresh like she i feel like she hasn't right. been broken up with him for, that for long, too long right. they're only kind of two games in i don't know how exactly long uh, ted's been there but um it's definitely been a, a rough go for right and it's interesting because like ted is there to comfort her and reach out and it makes it interesting like she's alone she's clearly got someone now in her life in ted lasso and i'm not talking from a romantic sense but from like a friendship point of view Mm -hmm. like he has been nothing but kind caring and encouraging rather than like embracing that and kind of leaning into it is doing her diabolical scheme of setting him up to fail well i feel like that's her defense mechanism too Mm. like she's trying to push ted away because she doesn't maybe want to be hurt by somebody else but obviously a completely different dynamic than what she had with with rupert and I think in this conversation, you know, you don't get it from Ted yet, but you could tell Ted sees through Rupert. Uh, I don't think uh, Rebecca sees that. Rebecca, when she kind of says all this stuff about Rupert um, and the way he is kind of behind the scenes, Ted knows that already. Right, um, and right. And we'll kind of find out more. And it's it's very helpful for Rebecca to, to know that she's not alone. Right. They hug. I cannot emphasize the... Uh, importance and strength of a good hug Mm. when you are having an emotional moment i'm not going to go into it any deeper but uh, a hug at the right time is really an incredible thing it is interrupted by this really weird uh squeaky toy horn (laughs) um, from the rickshaw rickshaw just kind of like perfect timing just kind of sits right up there's like squeaky squeaky yeah he looks like he has one of those aliens from Toy Story, and he, like, pounds <laughs> yeah. on it, and it squeaks at him. And then she makes some comment about 
she looks she's got to like go to the powder room essentially because she looks like robert smith i had to look up who robert smith is do you know who that I, was i didn't know he's apparently a singer in the british i believe they're a british band the cure uh and he's got like this wild hair and he looks crazy so did he always wear like eyeshadow or makeup that would like bled is that yeah I would, the reference I, was? he's like the um who's the guy out here that has the restaurant and was in the uh, alice cooper alice cooper yeah he's like the british alice cooper I don't know that that's true, but that felt like a good comparison. I like it. So then we find Roy and Jamie at the bar, and and Roy, being the leader that he is, approaches Jamie, even though he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. He does it reluctantly, and he wants to clear the air. Yep. And he tells the story about how when he was coming up in the league, there was a guy named Doug who was essentially the veteran. He was the new guy. They didn't like each other. And he said the way they won the league is they did exactly what Yankee Doodle over there is preaching. Yeah. He calls him Yankee Doodle, which is But I think great. that helps the conversation because it's like they're they're kind of throwing Ted under the bus just for the sake sure. of like having something to kind of sure. find the common ground on. Right. Common common ground of we all think Ted's silly, but <laughs> yeah. you know, some of the stuff he says is makes sense. Roy admits that he does not pass to Jamie because he is so arrogant and selfish it makes him want to puke, which I completely understand. Jamie mentions, and I think this is an interesting moment, Jamie says, you know, I used to have a poster of you on my wall as a kid. Yeah. I used to love to watch you play, but the way you walk around here expecting everyone to kiss your ring and the way you carry yourself in terms of been there and done that, that turns Jamie off. Mm-hmm. So... They kind of have a, a bonding moment. What I think is funny is Roy like admits to some things and then he like turns to Jamie like, are, are you going to also admit some things? This is the part He's where like, you admit. Yeah. <laughs> and Jamie goes, I don't want to. Yeah. But he reluctantly, so he does. He gets he does. a little bit, which is enough for enough for Roy. Yeah. And I think Ted in the background, mm-hmm. you see him kind of move by and he acknowledges that they're having a moment. So mm-hmm. he sees something's working. And then Jamie says something like, well, did you and that Doug bloke ever become friends? It's like, nope, hope he's dead. (laughs) And then Jamie says, well, here's to you dying. And they toast and drink a beer. You know, they get somewhere. And this is, once again, this is Lasso's effect on them finding some common ground and trying to bond, you know, for the sake of the team. And and you... Once this kind of happened, you're like, okay, cool. This could now resort in some changes to their soccer play, and maybe they can kind of turn the team around. But obviously, based on what happens in the end of this episode, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamie, you know, their breakup, whatever, with Keeley is going to blame Roy for it. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you're you're looking into that. Okay, all right, good. We'll see. We'll write it down. We'll see if you win. I'll put it in my journal. Then... Can you bring that on and read it? Anyways, so Rupert and Ted then meet up. Um, One of the things, they had a conversation earlier about how Robbie Williams, the musician, had canceled. Mm -hmm. And Rupert's like, oh, Robbie's an old friend. I can text him and get him here right away. Rather than just doing it, he wants someone to, like, ask him to do it. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, the sign of someone who is not helping for the right reasons. If you could help, if you can solve the problem... Just solve it. Yeah. Why do you need someone to ask you? Which gives a little bit of of who Rupert is. And so Ted mentions to him at this point, hey, you know, I realized that if you could send a text uh, Robbie Williams to get him here, 
you could also send a text to have him cancel. And Rupert, the way he answers it, gives it away that he has had something to do with Robbie Williams canceling yeah. for the gala. Like, I'd be a terrible person if I did that. And then, you know, Ted's look is kind of like, well, yeah. Right. Doesn't, doesn't shake his head yes, doesn't shake his head no, but it's kind of like, yeah. Right. So we find out that Rupert is a bad person. And he's trying to essentially ruin this to get out Rebecca. Ted talks to Higgins, and he's like, we're going to find a replacement. I need you to go on an adventure with me and Higgins is like me and he's like forget the rest I need the best yeah and Higgins gags I don't know what that reaction was like was he just excited to be called the best so the only other time we've seen Higgins gag he's gagged before yeah he gagged if you'll remember when they're outside her Rolls Royce in the pilot and he knows she is setting Ted up to fail mm -hmm. he like like coughs up a hairball he like he like gags and he's like i don't think i can go through with this dishonesty hmm. and she says you know hey you snuck women behind my back to be with rupert if you have oh, issues okay. with this yeah. and then she promotes him but i i didn't understand that moment because i didn't feel like he was doing anything dishonest there i'm just gonna pull out my board of physical comedy and just go and put another check on nate's uh, side oh. and not on higgins side because okay. higgins physical comedy nowhere near that's as good. fine what's interesting is when he gagged i laughed the hardest <laughs> during the entire episode. when nate spit his martini back of the glass laughed the hardest so then we're in the powder room with keely and rebecca rebecca thanks keely for her help on the red carpet as kind of an olive branch or to do her a favor, she explains, hey, that other girl that was bidding on Jamie was his other plus one. Mm -hmm. So he had two plus ones, mm -hmm. which the math doesn't add up. Yeah, it's like chicken and steak, trying to put them both. Sure. It's cheating. And so Keely kind of goes into like her dating history with footballers, you know, why she has enjoyed dating them, the advantages. And it's interesting because Rebecca brings up one of the themes that comes through the episode is you know, hey, they're, you know, they're fit, they're attractive, they've got money, mm -hmm. but are they accountable? And she brings the point up of being married to someone for tw 12 years who made a ton of mistakes, but was never accountable for one of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an interesting, like, theme or something that's important to think about is, like, accountability, uh, taking responsibility for your actions, and, like, where that comes from in terms of, if no one ever holds you accountable, if no one like ever makes you aware of, of what you're doing wrong, uh, then some people just never feel like they need to be, you know, blamed or, or be held accountable. And so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing for her to bring up and, and something that you can see kind of Keely takes to heart. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, Jamie is constantly doing things, but does he ever admit to that mistake does he ever realize what he's doing you certainly see that with rupert just because like he just seems like a rich jerk sure. that gets away with everything like sure. you're taking the wine glass from the guy like or the, champagne oh, the champagne, glass, yeah. right in the beginning like he just knows he can do it it is definitely interesting to think about because i when i think about accountability i think more just like my own personal accountability but not necessarily holding other people accountable to their actions but it is an interesting dynamic and i do like that keely and rebecca are getting more screen time together because i like them more and more that they're and maybe accountability as, as she she says it is like are you with someone that holds them accountable mm -hmm. uh, i guess i'm not trying to get into like the the hey judging others or but like do you have are you with someone who feels like that they self-reflect 
and hold themselves accountable to mistakes and therefore like learn from them and try and be better. Mm -hmm. So an important, once again, an important theme from Ted Lasso that's just kind of slipped in there and it's nice to think about. So then we go from there to Jamie and Keeley. Jamie is sitting at the table with the girl, the other, his other plus one. We find out her name is Bex. I looked her up and I find this confusing, but the actress that plays Bex, her name is Keeley Hazel. And she is actually, at this time in 2021, dating Jason Sudeikis in real life. Huh, interesting. So, Keeley, the character, is talking to the actress, Keeley, which can be confusing if you think, think about it too long. If yeah. you think about it too long. I don't do that. So then, <laughs> I don't think. Or tank. Jamie explains to Keeley that the whole reason he did it is it was good for his branding to mm -hmm. have two women bid on him. And again, that's just him trying to throw back Keeley's lion at her. Oh, when yeah. she talks about the branding, he's like, no, no, no. I know what branding's all about. Sure. Branding is making more people want me. Sure. Um, and of course, it has to be attractive women. Sure. Jamie started the auction. Roy ends the auction. <laughs> Rupert is up there with Roy. This is a great moment. Rupert is kind of going into all the things that you can spend time doing with Roy, <laughs> sipping daiquiris, laying by the pool, and Roy is just shooting down all of these ideas. And he's like, no daiquiris, we're not going anywhere. And he says, we're not leaving SW14, <laughs> which did you look up? I had to look up. I know. So like, they're essentially like zip codes or street addresses. Sure. So there's like postal codes in London. Okay. And so SW14 is a small postal code in London. So what he's saying is, we are not moving from this small area in London. It's off the, the Thames from what I looked up. And as I was Google mapping that, I also discovered that Richmond, like there is a Richmond area in London. It's yeah. a real place. I think, I, we, I think we talked about this in the last pod that like, Richmond is a kind of suburb or whatever of London. Like it's a real place. I assumed it was a suburb of London, but I didn't know it was an actual real place. Yeah. So you knew that already. You decided not to share that with me. I had to find it through Google. Uh, you're going to do another $5 bet? No, thank you. <laughs> so then Roy is up. Jamie and Keely are kind of talking back and forth and Jamie says something like, I don't get jealous. And Keely's like, oh yeah. And so she starts bidding on Roy and it is a back and forth between Keely and that older lady, Shetland pony breeder, whose Cheryl. name? Cheryl Barnaby. Cheryl Barnaby. Finally, Keely gives up and the old lady wins. Then Rupert, because he is just a selfless human, decides at this moment, to say that he has written a check for a million pounds, which the last auction raised 800,000. Mm -hmm. So he is alone giving 1 million. Correct. And whatever else. So they have obviously exceeded what their goal was. It didn't seem like they got a whole lot. Maybe there's a bunch of other auctions we didn't see. Or maybe well, 25 there's... for Jamie. And then I don't know what Roy went Probably for. Like eight or something or seven or whatever. But clearly not 800,000. It's maybe more of the players. Sure. Or maybe there's some silent auction going on. Uh, but yeah, again, he just has to has to have the last word. He does it after all the players have been auctioned off. He's like, and I'm going to be the guy that steps in and does sure. this to be able to save Rebecca. Right. And he gets like a standing ovation. They yeah. carry him off on their shoulders. They're super happy. What I thought was interesting and what could have been a fun bit is if they would have auctioned Ted Lasso off. Right. And what that would have looked like. Like who would have been on Ted? What would have the price been? I'm assuming Nate or Beard would have taken it. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they did like write that up. Right. Maybe that shot up. it, but ran out of time. After the auction, they bring up the musical guest, and the musical guest is is a nice callback, essentially from the pirate pilot, the pirate, <laughs> the pilot, and the beginning of the episode. Yep. And it's a guy by the name of that's uh, Cam Cole. He's a guy in that one man band. One man band, the troubadour on the side of the road. And I looked him up. He's a real guy. He's a yeah. real musician. I'm not surprised. He's a real street performer out in London, uh, which is fun that they integrate that into the show Mm -hmm. in terms of like finding a real street performer rather than just having an actor. What I think is interesting is that guy like hits it. He starts killing it. Everyone goes onto the dance floor. Mm -hmm. I feel like people get really in on the dance floor with music that they know. And this has got to be a song they've never heard before, right? Or is it a... I, I didn't think it was a cover. I guess I didn't look it up. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It definitely had like a good beat to kind of dance to, but I'm with you. Like you want to, you might not get to the dance floor unless it's like that, that song, you know, and can kind of sing along sure, with. Sure. If you're at a wedding and everyone's like, like jumping up and down, it's to like a popular wedding song or, or something that everyone knows. It's very, have you ever <laughs> heard a song and like at a concert and, been, and been just like jamming out to it and never heard it before? That typically doesn't happen. No, but I think like for but that. But you've only been to Papa Roach concerts. I, true. Uh, I haven't been to a lot of galas. I imagine like sure. a gala, which is all kind of probably a stuffy affair. You know, they were playing the little string quartet music band stuff sure. in the background to, to start. Now that they kind of get some music. I imagine all these younger like footballers would probably like to get on the dance floor and just, you know, jump and run around. It is funny because Ted drags this guy in and he like goes to Rebecca and he's like, hey, I've got this up and coming talent. And Rebecca like looks at this guy. She's clearly not impressed. And then she goes up and introduces him. And he's like, you assume she's going to say something else like or more to it. She's like, all the way from outside. All right, here comes Cam Cole. (laughs) I don't even think she says his name. No, she's like like, Cam something. Yeah. Yeah. The music plays. This is the moment where you see the like the players come. Sam comes by Jamie, like taps him, and he's like, "Hey, you want to dance or like come out with us?" Mm-hmm. You don't hear it, but you just kind of see it. And once again, Jamie waves him off. That's Sam just being a good human. Higgins jumps on the dance floor, and Higgins is going wild. Who else is going wild? Tom Beard goes wild, but Beard goes wild after he checkmates both his date figuratively and literally <laughs> uh, because he checks her. She just like immediately upset, like I, which I don't, I don't know why. Like, granted, he was like going too far into the game. Like, we was kind of established Beard is like, a, I gotta win at all, all costs, kind okay. of a thing. But she leaves right after she gets checkmate. Like, you're playing this game with them. You don't really hear an exchange saying like, I want to stop playing. Leave me alone. She no, just leaves. No, she says, she says, hey, we want to like, let's put this on pause. I, let's go dance. Oh, but I hear he that. won't admit to dance. He wants to win chess. So that's where you see like the winning. I need to win. Yeah, okay. So there is the... a moment where she does say, Hey, I, let's go dance. Like let's. And so does like, she like leave, leave like they're done with the relationship or she just leaves to go dance. What do you think, Tom? I've seen the episodes. This is your first I, time I, through. I apparently missed this part. I thought she like left, left. Well, we'll find out as we go on. He's okay. pretty heartbroken at the end of the episode. He is, because he, he sees he gets on that dance floor. He's doing some drunken, crazy <laughs> crazy beard dancing. Him and Higgins, they could dance together and really get a crowd going. So then we're at the party wrap. Uh, Rebecca and Rupert say their goodbyes on the stairs. He is smarmy as ever. He's even smarmier because it looks like he is taking Bex, the young woman that bit on Jamie home. Mm-hmm. He gives her his sweet white jacket. 
they leave. Ted consoles Rebecca. And this is, I mean, once again, where you see Ted at his best. He's trying to make Rebecca feel good. He says, hey, you know, you think you're the only one that sees who that guy is, like mm-hmm. who he truly is. You know, he seems like a charmer to everyone else. But like we see deep down that he is, you know, I mean, he doesn't say not a good person, but essentially he's, you know, selfish. He's not great, not great at all to Rebecca. And I wouldn't be surprised if more of the players see that too. But like when you know it's like the owner of your team, you're going to laugh at his jokes. You're going to kind of do all this kind of stuff because, you know, he is who he is. But I think it's not just Ted and Rebecca that see it. There's a lot of other people that do as well. But no one wants to acknowledge it. But Ted comes out and, and says that to Rebecca. And you can see that she appreciates that. They have a lovely moment. And then we cut to Jamie and Keely at the bar. Jamie is trying to cozy up to Keely. He says something like, babe, are you still mad at me? I'm sorry. And she does this great thing where she goes, do you even know what you're sorry for? And his response is, it's like, you always ask me that. <laughs> and he doesn't have an answer. No. But he's just like, why do you always answer that? Of course, or ask me that. Of course, I don't know. <laughs> Which is so great. And then Roy cuts in. He confronts Keely. He tells her that essentially, hey, I don't want to be in the middle of your games. Like, mm-hmm. don't use me as a pawn. It, it didn't make me feel good. She apologizes. He says, thanks for the apology. And there's a lot of heavy lifting in that. Like, that's just like two or three lines back and sure. forth. But you can see how emotionally effective that is for Keely and hearing a man like actually hold himself accountable or, or or speak his truth or whatever to Keely and Keely, you know, holding herself accountable, I guess. Sure. Um, I think that that does a lot. And that just helps cement the fact that her relationship with, uh, with Tart needs to end. Oh, okay. All right. We go to Keely telling Jamie that accountability matters, mm-hmm. like being held accountable, holding yourself accountable for the things that you've done matters, which once again, runs through the episode. And she says, we're done. They break up. She steals two bottles of what looks like champagne <laughs> yeah. from behind the bar. I love the bartender's yeah. luck. The bartender's like, yeah, sure, take them. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know where they go or where they're from. Sure, go ahead. And then she finds Rebecca and she says, you want to get really drunk and like... Go rob a bank. <laughs> go rob a bank or something. So they end up riding in a rickshaw. And then we have Ted consoling beard beard comes out and his hair is just wild oh yeah he looks super rough (laughs) and ted's like all right i'm gonna take care of this guy they're walking through and he's just like ted ted lets him know that his family's coming out Mm. which i think is cool like excited about that right see what happens with that so ted's son and wife are coming out he asked beard hey what what happened like what went wrong and essentially yeah it's like did you put the game before the dame the game before the dame (laughs) and so they walk off. Once again, Ted is consoling Beard based on his poor choices because Beard just wanted to win. But enjoyable episode. It was interesting because it wasn't like soccer focused. I know you want the soccer focused stuff. Big but snooze fest this episode. Oh, I think it's interesting because you go more into like Rupert. Uh, I want to say Murdoch, but that's a real guy. <laughs> Rupert Mannion. Maybe that's what he's based off of, but. Like you go into Rupert, you go into like his relationship with Rebecca. And so you get some more about like her life and what that's been like. You clearly see the relationship of of Keely and Jamie like diminish because he is a guy that's just going to do what he wants to do. He's only thinking about him. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's nice that like Rebecca puts that kind of thought out there of like, hey, does he hold himself accountable? Is that the type of person you want to be with? And so it's refreshing to every once in a while be reminded that we should hold ourselves accountable to the dumb stuff that we do. Uh, would you like to hold yourself accountable and give me five dollars? <laughs> uh, as soon as this cuts, I will go to my son's piggy bank, break it open, <laughs> take his five dollars and give it to you. But I enjoyed this episode. Do you have any final thoughts before I do our... No, again, I think a, a lot of heavy lifting in the episode, moving the relationships on. Uh, I know it's a 10-episode arc in the season, and I think we're, we're episode four here, so we're kind of at the midpoint, and now kind of seeing like some of these dominoes fall, especially sure. with Roy um, and him trying to kind of turn Tart around. So well, it'll be interesting to see, because you can't imagine that you're not going to flip the script, sure. everything's not going to be hunky-dory on the next step. It's likely going to take a, a few for them to... Um, figure out how to get over these last couple hurdles right and that's what i like that this show does it's not like a you know like so many times in movies it's like the the bad guy the selfish guy like flips and all of a sudden he's good Mm -hmm. roy and jamie are working that out are you interested to see where keely and the love of her life ted lasso how that relationship develops uh no not their relationship especially with ted's wife coming in next week I'm assuming Ted's wife and kid are going to be yeah, on the wife next. And kid. Are yeah, they on yeah. the next episode? Yes. Will we see them? Okay. Yes. Uh, so no, I don't think uh, that will be a big deal. I am interested to see Keely and Roy's relationship uh, blossom. That could be British's newest, hottest couple. Okay. Well, we appreciate you spending some time with us. I am Julian, and I'm Thomas. We are Team Binge. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or anything you'd like to send to us. You can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to, we could do a mailbag if people ask questions. We actually have a global audience, so I'm interested to hear from people in other countries uh, what they think of my lack of football knowledge and Tom's. Actually, yeah, if you have criticisms of Tom's football... If you have criticisms of me, just go ahead and throw them away. Yeah, (laughs) you can send them to Julian. All right. Because I'm not going to listen. Thank you for your time. Wait, we forgot about the name of the next episode. Oh, I'm sorry. The (laughs) next time we all get together, we will be talking about the episode... I can't believe we cleared that up. (laughs) I was so excited about it earlier, but I couldn't think of anything. Oh man, that was great.